Hey, B. Welcome to episode 19. 19. It's, uh, it's been a big week after an 18th last week. You know, 18th is always big. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had a big 18th. Mm. I, I had it I had it in a nightclub in town. Got yeah. hammered. Yes. Wow. It's, uh, in in between the revival centres and great big AOG, I had my 18th. Lucky for me, got shit-faced. Oh, you did well. I mean, given that you were obviously backslidden at that time, you would have uh, you would have partied hard. Yeah, it was awesome. So today we're going to talk about Jesus. That's our topic today. We are. We're, we're following on from the concept of God last week to to Jesus, and as we referred to last week in the, the episode, we spoke about Jesus being the personification of God, something that was very, very, very important in Pentecostalism, and still is, obviously. So before you came into the church, yeah, what was your view of Jesus? Who was he? Bloke on a, what was he about? Bloke on a cross. Died. Had no idea why he died. Seemed really silly. I'd never read a Bible. Um, I had no idea what that concept of, of Jesus was. It was pictures for me. It was pictures of this guy on the cross. And that that is it. I, very, very limited view. How about yourself? Well, for me, it was more statues and things. I can remember being sort of exposed to Catholic churches and used to see the, you know, the crucifix, as they call it, right? So it's the actual Jesus on the cross um, and seeing this poor character. He was always really skinny, had the beard, crown of thorns. Um, I was exposed to the story, I guess, because of the Easter story of the yeah. fact that, you know, he had the living shit beaten out of him. He was really given a hard time, beaten up, thrown on the cross. I can remember... Easter time, there was always those Easter movies um, yeah. and you used to, you know, get exposed to that. And I can always remember just seeing him just having, getting a really good flogging. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to diss anyone's faith, but that's really what it was. It was pretty horrific. Mm. Yeah, see, I, I don't think I ever watched one of those movies. wasn't exposed to it. Easter for me, I don't think I even would have known what the real story was um, behind it. I, for me, it was about the bunny bringing me chocolate, and that that was it. I didn't have any exposure to that as a child. Mum would, and I think I've spoken about this before, mum would quite often around Christmas and Easter get a bit nostalgic and want to go to church. And I had always said, I'll go with you having no idea what it was, but we never went, not once. Um, but that was probably the limit of my exposure. I I had absolutely no idea whatsoever. It, for me, it was a swear word. It was a curse. Well, well see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on that. I'm going to ask you, but what about Christmas, right? There's this baby mm. in the manger and there's, you know, donkeys and cattle are lowing and baby awakes. That's a really good point, actually, because, yes, did know about Jesus in the manger um, and lots of songs being sung. And obviously you'd have your Christmas pageants at school and you'd have your Christmas carol nights. So you're right. Um, I, I think the baby Jesus, definitely there. And slight diversion, um, and I was speaking to T about this before, do yourself a favour, Google Talladega Nights, baby Jesus praying, and you will... It's a treat. It's it's one of the funniest scenes in a movie. Um, it's Will Ferrell's character talking about how he can only pray to baby Jesus. But Jesus, I guess that concept of Jesus in a manger is is probably the earliest exposure. But again, I didn't know what that meant. I I was I don't from memory. I was never exposed to uh, this baby would grow up and actually he would save you from your sins. Uh, it was the story of this baby being born 
of a virgin birth. I remember that because I remember sniggering as a child going, virgin. <laughs> I always remember singing Silent Night. And there's that line, which to me as a kid, we would sing round young virgin because uh-huh. she's pregnant. Uh-huh. Right. So she had this big fat tummy. And so I would sing as a kid, round young virgin. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's a fatty because she had a baby. We um we had a girl that I went to school with. Her name was Joelle. So when we would sing Noel, we would always get in trouble because our whole class would go, Joel, Joel. And uh, our teacher would get so pissed off. She would, everyone stop, everyone stop. And they would send everyone out of the room. Everyone would come back in, sing a verse of Noel, and then quickly flip back to Joel. And Joelle loved it because she was getting a bit of recognition. I would imagine Noel, sitting at the back of the class, would have been going, well, thank God I dodged that bullet. (laughs) Very, very true. Yes, I mean, I I certainly didn't think, though, that this baby Jesus or this one getting the shit kicked out of him um, at Easter egg time, I did not think before joining the church that in any way this thing was God. Yeah, I, it was it was the son of God. It was something special, 100 percent. But I was never led to believe that this was actually deity, pre-existent, God incarnate. Come, no, none of it. No, no, same. I, no idea. Absolutely no idea. And and for me, I think that was that was a very difficult concept to uh, to grasp, I guess, when I did start exploring the space a bit more. Well, when, when I joined the Revival Centre, I, I talked about this before in, in the last episode, but they certainly weren't Trinitarians. Some of them might have been. It wasn't a very well-defined picture of God, but um, Lloyd Longfield, who was the leader, we got him on tape once saying that Jesus wasn't God. Jesus was the Son of God. You know, official party line, even though people may have believed different things, official party line inside the Revival Centre was he was not God. He, yeah. was, he was somewhat less. He was um, a step down. He was special, no doubt. Yep. And that he died and somehow did something for us. But really, ultimately, the Revival Centre was about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. So Jesus wasn't really much of a big deal in the Revival Centre. So when I came in, there was more talk about God, more talk about the Holy Spirit and tongues, etc. And Jesus was this, yeah, okay, most of the New Testament is about the stories. I think about it now. It's like, it's actually mostly about him. And we just sort of skipped over it and went, oh, hold on. Where does he talk about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I think um, Jesus was absolutely central to Pentecostalism. I mean, there was, obviously there was God and the Holy Spirit, but I, I think Jesus was spoken about a lot more. A lot of the songs that they would sing in praise and worship, I think were Jesus centric. Would, Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. And the and the theological term, my friend, is Christocentric. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was trying to uh, take it to the streets with my language. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Trying trying to reach out to the non Pentecostal burned out crowd. <laughs> That's fair the enough. One. Fair enough. Yeah, but you're right, totally. And I got in there and got into great big AOG, and all of a sudden there was this emphasis on Jesus, and it seemed right. Do you remember the street team? We go out and the street team leader. Yes. Give me a J. Give me a J. And then we'd all go, J. And he'd give me an E. E. And then, you know, what does it spell? We have to sit there for a minute. Jesus. Oh, yeah. I'm cringing thinking about, but yes, yes, I was part of that. It was, um, 
it was it was rather sad. I, I, look, towards the end of the last episode, you spoke about getting right with God and how that was very repeated language. You got to get right with God. You got to be right with God. What was the way to get right with God? Well, it was through Jesus. Was what we were were taught, weren't we? It was, yeah, that's right. It was it was you've got to have faith in Jesus. You don't have to do anything except no. believe. Absolutely. He was the gateway through that grace yeah, that came. He was the gateway drug to God. <laughs> he was. He was. But then he, he became he became the, the centre of my God concept, I think. Um, more and more as I progressed through Pentecostalism, I, I think the the God, the conceptual God faded away because I was able to identify with that personification, that Jesus, who was not only the son of God, but he was also God. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I used to visualize in my mind Jesus, and yeah. as I, same with you, as I got deeper and deeper into the Pentecostal scene, it became more and more about Jesus, and I started praying to Jesus more, and yeah. I started talking to Jesus more, and Jesus was my friend. You mm-hmm. know, he, I I would talk to him, maybe not quite the same as I'm talking to you now. It'd be a little bit more. A little bit more intense and a little bit more sort of ominous, but I yeah. would still talk to Jesus. For example, driving into the car park, and I would say, "Jesus, give me a car park." Yes. Right? And pretty much every time he did. Forget the fact that the town planner had actually set up enough car parks for me. I actually believed every time that my mate Jesus would give me a, a car park. Forty thousand children starving to death a day. But Jesus gave me a car park, dude. Yeah, well, that that's obviously their own fault for not believing in Jesus. Yeah, well, he was my friend, and he gave mm. me a car park and something to eat. Yes, he did, from the food court of the car park. But you know, you know the death and resurrection, right? What yep. was that all about? What was your understanding when you were a Pentecostal? What was? How did that all work? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure I ever understood even even after going to Bible college and studying, studying, maybe studying. Um, I I didn't really understand it. But the whole, he died. He was sent to Earth. Uh, he was God. It was like a piece of God got sent to Earth. He was virgin birth. Obviously, made him a lot more pure. Um, he could be born of God, who had seeded Mary, and then he could grow up pure to take those sins on and he would be nailed to the cross. He would be the shit beaten out of him, as, as you said before, stuck in a tomb. He rises and when he rises, uh, he takes all the sins with us. I don't know what that's about. I have no idea. This is like a pact. It's like a pact that God has made with us. That if I do this for you, all you got to do is believe this, um, believe that I've done it, and I'll make it real for you. I'm. I remain confused about that. I think I was confused then. I was told just believe, just have faith, which was always the answer for if you couldn't work something out, just have faith. Don't you don't have to know everything. Just have faith. How about you? What did it mean for you? Well, yeah, thinking about this, I, I want to be really cautious not to sort of bring in any sort of cynicism or any sort of complexity from you know looking at it as a, as a fifty something year old, but. As a teenage fundamentalist or as a 20-something fundamentalist, I was led to believe that God needed a price to be paid for sin, Yeah. right? That, that we'd done all this, sh- this shitty stuff, that humanity had done all this shitty stuff, and for some reason, right, and 
again, forgive my cynicism, but back then this is how it was. For some reason, God needed the price to be paid. And the price that had to be paid was his own son to have the shit beaten out of him and then nailed to a cross and then die. Now, the thing about it that I always sort of wrestled with, but I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, is that he died for our sins so that we didn't have to die so that when we did die, we'd go to heaven. So mm. I didn't get it. How How is dying for me taking away my sins when I'm going to die anyway? You know, like it, 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 it didn't quite add up. Now, I'm not saying that just to be cynical now. Really, back then I used to sort of go, oh, hold on. He died for us so we don't have to die. And then when I do die, but I thought I didn't have to die, didn't add up. Yeah, and why did it have to be such a, a violent gateway? Um, you know, and crucifixion wasn't just invented for Jesus. Crucifixion had been around for a long time, and it was a way that some um, criminals were dealt with, and and quite often not on on a cross that we see, which is that horizontal and and vertical cross. Quite often it was an X cross that they were hung on and you know stretched out and killed, and it was very violent. Why? Why? Why did God choose that? Like some of that just didn't make sense to me. It's like why would you want to? put a piece of you down on earth and then have it treated so violently just so people could be forgiven and walk with you in some sort of relationship so they didn't have to go to hell. For for me, that concept is, I, I even look at it now and I just go, why? Like, why couldn't, you're an all-powerful God, why couldn't you just go, I'm going to extend my grace to all people and away we go. I'm going to yeah, love them. Exactly right. I, I, the answer to that that I used to see when we're in there was because in the old testament they used to sacrifice animals for sin and so jesus came along as this ultimate sacrifice instead of these animal sacrifices right and so that was sort of the the answer to that was oh because god demands blood but exactly right even then it was like but why does he demand blood does does he have to demand blood i mean he's god right he makes the rules and so again i wouldn't have admitted any of this out loud but even back then, I used to see these sort of contradictions or see these issues or see these complexities and just sort of like you go, oh, yeah, but, you know, don't don't want to don't want to get it wrong about Jesus, because then you're out. And if you're out, you might as well have stayed in the revival center. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I, I always remain confused around that. And when I would, on the very rare occasions, speak to people about my faith, it was the question of what always come up like why 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 would he do this like i i don't get it it doesn't even make sense if it doesn't need to be done like he's an all-powerful god um so why why even do that because if he's also if jesus is part of god he's doing it to himself it's it's really weird and it just doesn't need to be done so you know for me that was quite strange but the person of jesus and a lot of the messages i guess i i still appreciate and even to this day you know a lot of those social justice messages those ones that speak to the downtrodden to looking after those within our community i really i guess i was i was struck by that and what that actually meant but but also i think there was a bit of contradiction within the the christian circles because that generally wasn't the tool that was used it was was a lot more judgment rather than actually looking after each other well, Jesus stood, and, and you know, I, I even saw this back then, that Jesus stood in this tradition of Jewish prophets. We had the, you know, the major prophets and the minor prophets, and a lot of those prophets spoke out against 
social injustice. And yep. so Jesus turned up, and, and John the Baptist too, perhaps, turned up, and they they stood in that lineage, you know, and started speaking out against, you know, um, religious persecution or, or, or religious diminishing of people or using religion to diminish people, but also spoke out against, you know, the, mm. the Roman powers and, um, you know, we talk here about the powers and principalities, and we often interpret that as spiritual stuff, but but maybe they were actually talking about the literal ones and that, you know, the kingdom of God was going to overthrow that. So yeah. I, I definitely saw Jesus as being a part of that as well. But I think that was more later. I think I sort of matured to see that after I left Pentecostalism. There wasn't okay. a lot of talk about social justice and and even the way that we would go out and you know work with people on the streets and street kids and was still very much about trying to get them to confess Jesus is Lord, you know, Savior from hell. That's that's what that was about. And Jesus was your ticket, wasn't he? He was your ticket out of yeah. out of hell. Yeah, you're right. And for me, I think it was very similar. It wasn't until I'd really started, probably wasn't when I'd come out of Pentecostalism, it was when I started to explore a bit more deeply and started thinking about leaving Pentecostalism that it was, I really hooked onto that um, social justice Jesus. Um, and that was something that I, I really liked. And for me, it's something that I think is embedded in my life, not the fact that Jesus was a social justice flag flyer but for me it was you know social justice has probably always been there and it's certainly something that has strengthened in the last 25 years of my life and something that that i think i, I look back on some of those messy early messages and the importance of how i saw that and it, it certainly is it's it's a part of me i can't deny that what about the jewishness of jesus though did you ever start to sort of get get influenced by that because i did there was you know there was jews for jesus and then there was a couple of offsprings from sort of or shoot offs from jews for jesus and there was this whole thing in the 90s about the jewishness of jesus and that jesus was the jewish messiah and the fulfillment of prophecy around you know around all that did that ever fall in in front of you um, probably not in the early days. I didn't think much about it, uh, about the context, but certainly when I went to Bible college, I thought a lot more about the Jewish Jesus and particularly reading um, historians. And there's you know, a historian who's relatively famous called Josephus um, who documents a lot back then. So I guess a lot of those Jewish cultural influences were something that stood out through those writings and looking at those in context i guess um but you know i just saw it as that's it that's the time this happened so of course i have to look through that jewish lens there but i never thought more deeply than that you know remember remember josh mcdowell and and these other sort of apologists who yeah. would would write these books and C.S. Lewis was another one about you know arguing the historic historicity of jesus um yep. but i always was quite convinced that he was a fulfillment of prophecy, that the Old yeah. Testament was basically largely, especially the prophetic writings, you know, the writings of the prophets, was all about telling about this Messiah that was coming. And then Jesus yeah. fulfilled every single one of those prophecies to a T. Yeah. So I, I was convinced of that, that Jesus was definitely the Jewish Messiah and that there was no doubt that he had met every single one of those. And, of course, now, without getting too much into what we think now, I'm not so convinced of that. Yeah. But I was then. It was that literal nature of anything that Jesus spoke within the Bible was truth and it was a direction we should all follow. Yeah, um, the red the red letters, mate. You get those Bibles with yeah, the red letters. 
I was just going to say that. And, and, you know, there's groups around now, and I think Tony Campolo is one of the leaders of the Red Letter Christians. So, you know, I, I'm not quite sure exactly what they mean or what they um, peg onto that, whether they are a literal, everything's about literal interpretation. I'm not entirely sure, so I don't pretend to be. I, I would imagine if it's Tony Campolo, it wouldn't be so much about literal interpretation. I wouldn't think so. But, you know, notwithstanding the fact that we have four quite different stories of what Jesus said within the Gospels. So, Matthew, well, you, you remember that you remember that meme? I don't know if you saw it where it's Jesus mm. sitting there and he's in, with the crowd and he says, now pay very close attention. I don't want four different versions of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's great. And you can see that on our page and the Twitter account. It, it was a very good one. But that's right. And, and you know, th those things were, again, explained away. It, it was, you just got to believe, they're not contradicting themselves. Nothing to see here. Look the other way. And then Christmas and Easter became mm. very important to me yeah. as a Christian. So we talked about what it looked like, you know, before I was a Christian and, you know, get the shit beaten mm. out of him. Sorry, I just have to laugh because mm. you just weren't allowed to say that as a Christian, no. were you, that Jesus had the shit beaten out of him. But he did. But, yeah, Christmas and Easter became much more religious holidays. It wasn't just presents and, and eggs. It was yep. about death and resurrection, birth, virgin birth, as you said. You know, And, and I swallowed all that holus bolus, the, the stories, yep. the the harmonising of the stories, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't think you weren't encouraged to certainly look a lot further. You were encouraged to listen what the leaders were saying from the pulpit and swallowing that. Uh, I, I don't I don't remember any specifics of of challenging the different accounts in the Gospels, um, but I, I know that that was out there that thinking, and it was just you know, hey, it was four people writing a story, so of course there's going to be a slight bit of difference. It's it's fine, you know, it's okay. It's nothing. There's no fundamental differences, of course. Yeah, it was the, it was the liberals that used to say all that stuff, and we're like, oh, the liberals, you know. There were books that you can buy from Keswick and Kurong and Word Bookstore, which would harmonize really they do paint what is largely two very different pictures of jesus one is the book of john and the other is the synoptic gospels yeah but we just i, I don't know about you but i i just didn't even notice that, that it was there because i don't think i read it enough anyway well i, I don't think i read it in the depth i mean i read the words um you know over and over because you know you had those challenges read the bible in a year i'm sure you did those come on no not really I, I don't no. think I have actually there's there's bits in the Old Testament, certainly the New Testament. I read that number of times, but there's bits in the Old Testament that I've still to this day haven't read. Yeah. And you wonder why that you're not involved in the church anymore, don't you? Yeah, that's right. Because I didn't build myself up in the word, brother. <laughs> that's right. Imagine that's if you did. We wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't be podcasting. So I'm going to fire a question at you. All right. Yep. And then then I'll answer it after you. But people are going to listen to this and go. They didn't really know Jesus. They didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. They, you know, they think they did. They knew about Jesus. But the reason why they are doing what they're doing now is because they never really knew him. So I'm going to ask you, yes or no, did you have a genuine relationship with Jesus? I believe I did. Whether I did or not, um, I, I'm not entirely sure. But at the time, I 100% believed I did. And I believe that I heard the voice of Jesus. I believe that when I prayed to Jesus, he, he listened, he heard. When I'd ask for things, they those things would be met. 
I believe that. I firmly believed it. So, you know, it's it's that personal relationship with Jesus um, and, and a personal, personal relationship with God. Like we spoke about in the last episode, I talked about hearing the voice of God and, and truly believing that I heard the voice of God. And I truly believe that I heard the voice or the will of Jesus when I prayed mm-hmm. to Jesus. Now, the reality is it was probably all enmeshed in one. There probably wasn't anything separating it, but I think that's what I believed. And I, I believe that I heard and felt things, whether I see that now through a lens of intuition and a knowing and, a, you know, a deeper connectedness um, with others, with community, with spirit. I, I don't exactly know now, but I know back then I felt like it was a genuine personal relationship with Jesus. And that's very important, a personal one. How about you, T? Oh, undoubtedly. There is no doubt in my mind, and definitely I would say that those around me would also testify that I had a genuine relationship with Jesus. In my mind, Jesus was there. In my mind, when I prayed for him or to him, he was there. He would answer me, you know, not necessarily with words, but like you were saying, with you know impressions and intuition, etc. But I had a real sense of his presence as mm. well. Definitely. And, and as a matter of fact, I kind of feel a little bit annoyed when people say to me, oh, you you know, you knew about God but didn't know him and all that. No. In the revival centres, maybe, but in the AOG and, in fact, beyond that, right, stepping into, you know, Baptist, Church of Christ, this kind of stuff, even Anglican churches I went to, I had a genuine, deep relationship with this, with this person who I believed was real. Yeah, look, I came across many people throughout my journey, um, some quite close to me that would go to extremes with this relationship with Jesus. Like they would literally get up in the morning and go, what should I wear today, Jesus, that will be the best witness for you? What will attract people to you through me? All that sort of stuff. You know, so it was people were definitely convinced that um, that relationship could definitely lead to them hearing things and experiencing things directly from Jesus. Yeah, and remember it was, you know, I must become less so that he may become more. You know, that was Mm. was the way we saw Jesus. But but ultimately, whether I understood it or not, I believe that something cosmic had happened, that Jesus had died for my sins and, you know, he, he was resurrected. Interestingly, when I talk to some of my Christian friends now, and I will introduce them to certain thinkers, Christian theologians, whether they're liberal or progressive, which is sort of the same thing now. I think progressive is just another word for liberal that we used to use yeah. in the 90s. They will say, do they believe in the resurrection? That's mm. a big thing for them. And one friend of mine in particular went away and Googled, does this, you know, does X, XYZ person believe in the resurrection? And then came back to me, wasn't interested in what the person had to say, didn't go off and read, none of that, just needed to know, oh, do they believe in the resurrection? Yes. Oh, okay, great. They're, <laughs> they're in, they're Christians, you know? And so for them, it's not, you've you got to believe in the literal bodily resurrection. I don't know, man. It's 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 convoluted, it's complex, this whole Jesus thing. We're not going to nail it in 30 minutes, are we? Was that a pun? Well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think it, it it's a complex one, and it's one that we I, I I just I guess want to emphasize that we're not out there to offend. We're again reflecting and looking through the eyes of now and going, what did we believe back then? What's it? What did it mean then? What's it mean now? How do we interpret it? I think we both come to the conclusion and go, I don't know. 
uh, I've got no idea. Um, you know, do we believe in a literal resurrection? Do well for me, no. Um, to be completely frank, but um, you know, I mean, stone me for that. Uh, but the reality is, I I would never have said that back then. But I had doubts back then too on what it all mean. But I had to believe that. That was the crux of the belief. If I didn't believe oh, that, sure. everything else fell over. Yeah, for sure. Look, I'm going to remain deeply in the closet as to what where where I stand with that. Do I believe in the resurrection? We are now at the end of episode 19. Next mm. week is going to be our Q&A and our reflection. We're going to sort of look back at our past episodes and and yeah. talk about, you know, what we've what we've done, where we've come uh where we've come to and what other people have said to us and some of the challenges we've got. And then, you know, we've asked people to put questions into the Facebook group and so we're certainly going to answer those as well. But then we're going to take a bit of a hiatus, right? We're going to take some time off. We're going to recharge our batteries. And then we're going to come back with season two. And I think there's a few more topics that we need to cover about what we believed then before we start to journey away, before we start to tell our stories of leaving Pentecostalism mm. and, and even ultimately leaving Christianity. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be heavy, but yeah. I think it's going to be more important than the picture we've painted so far. Yeah, so next week we will do our, our Q&A and we will, you know, there's a few questions in there. So looking forward to, to talking about those, but also looking forward to, to reflecting back. So it's been a big journey. It's been a, a winding and weaving journey. Um, and we have arrived at a place where we have one more episode in season one. So looking forward to that, looking forward to the reflection, looking forward to a little bit of a break. Um, we don't know how long it'll be. It won't be too long. Just a little bit of a break to reset and to think about season two. So thanks again for listening, people, and we shall see you next week. Ciao, everyone.